1: Did I stop on your mom? The Now on. You do as I do. You may the odds be ever in your favor. Are you, ready for this?
0: Are you ready for this? Welcome to Geek Hearing, a critical geek culture podcast where we talk the good and the bad parts of being a chick in a male dominated environment. Hi, my name is Monica, and with me today is my lovely, amazing, glorious, with a beautiful, nice, fall y sweater kind of thing. Uh, and still over there in the good old Canada. A, Amanda. I tried with my accent; it wasn't very good. I'm wow,
2: sorry. that was that was a mouthful, Monica. Thanks for that random intro.
0: Um, it was quite pathetic as well, but I tried.
2: Yep, yeah, we're gonna leave it there. You tried. You tried.
0: I tried. Can't always be the best one yet. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? I am very well, and I'm very very excited. Me too.
2: Why are you I mean, excited? People-
0: People on our Twitch channel already know because they see what's going on, but people on our podcast might not yet know that we have an awesome, amazing guest on today. Ooh, we do, yeah. we do, we do. Hello, Madeline Rue. Hi.
1: <laughs> Hi. I didn't know why you wanted me to come in. If I was trying to like play it, play it cool. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, thanks
0: for having me. <laughs> We're super cool and super here. casual. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, it's my pleasure. So Madeline Rue, for the people who play WoW in our audience, so WoW World of Warcraft, for your information, because (laughs) I'm not sure everybody knows that. um, Madeline is not only the writer of the last of the books that came out, which is called Shadows Rising, or Mm -hmm. yes, Shadows Rising. There was an S there. (laughs) Um, I wasn't sure. Damn it, Shadow, shadows, shadows. <laughs> I'm not I'm I'm ESL. I can fuck up the words. It will happen. <laughs>
1: but I think I think the um I think in the translations too, like the German titles completely different and yeah, oh, they all, yeah. they're all a little different to make it sound right in the language. So yeah.
0: We don't do translations very well sometimes. (laughs) And you sit there and are like, that's what he decided to call that? Like, it has, like, 15 sentences and it's just the two-word title sometimes. And they're like, okay, well, then we do that.
1: Yeah, I think it's technically, like, World of Warcraft Shadowlands Shadows Rise It. You know, like, they have the whole, like, branded title or whatever. Okay. All the words. Yep. (laughs) All the words.
0: But Madeline is not only the writer of this amazing book, Madeline wrote a lot of lot of other books and (sighs) made it to the New York Times made it as a New York Times bestseller with the series Asylum. Mm -hmm. I pronounced it right, right? Yeah. That was more a question of me pronouncing (laughs) it. (laughs) That that happens all the time. (laughs) Um yeah, and you do also a lot of a lot of other awesome, amazing stuff. Which is some powerlifting is what I heard.
1: Yeah, I do. I do like to lift the weights. That's that's kind of my secondary <laughs> venture in life. Yeah. Nice.
0: And yeah, we're gonna talk about all of this today. Not only about Yay. your Wow achievements, because you're also <laughs> more than Wow. <laughs> Thank you. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I do think so. Cool. We usually start with a. Uh, Uh, rapid fire round that is not often very rapid but
1: we try (laughs) okay i'm ready i'm ready
0: so amanda
2: would you like to give it away all right let's start this rapid fire round madeline where are you from
1: uh i was born in minnesota and i lived there you know all through childhood and and teen years and then i moved to wisconsin for university and now i live in seattle washington nice
2: Nice. and what are your preferred pronouns uh she her please Thank you. And um, when are you a geek since? So a year and maybe a story of your first geeky experience?
1: Oh, my gosh. I don't know if I can even put a year on it because... I grew up with two older brothers. And so by the time I was born, like they were into star Wars, you know, they were into transformers and he man and all that good stuff. I actually, my mom remembers the, the minute I was born because he man was on and my brothers were on the phone with her being like, name her something from he
0: man. (laughs) Name her something from he man. Yeah. So it's
1: amazing. Is it like She-Ra or something? Um, yeah, so I, I honestly, I think from minute one, I think I, I think I exited mom and was a geek because uh, <laughs> right away it was like Star Wars. Like I think the first memory of watching a movie I have is of Star Wars, um, specifically Empire Strikes Back. We watched that one a lot. Um, so yeah, minute, minute one, I guess here <laughs> one minute one. So I love that you said you exited out of mom. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I
0: like that. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> <laughs> exits puts on your
2: glasses hello That's right,
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> uh cool and what are some of your biggest geeky influences uh so you can think like books movies tv shows
1: teachers games or well anything else sure um i would say obviously growing up star wars was a big one um i was really into this franchise called dino Riders, which is kind of like, vanished from the face of the planet, but I was super into that as a kid. I I grew up on, like, a steady diet of all the Disney movies, too, so, um, you know, the Disney princesses of all stripes. I think Belle and and Ariel were kind of my faves. Um, I was also introduced to historical fiction really young because I loved American Girl dolls, and they come with actually, like, really, accurate historical fiction, like the little novellas, which each, each of them. So, um, I think that might've been my initial like love of historical fiction was, was those books. Those were great. Um, and then I got into like Lord of the Rings and Anne Rice a lot when I was in high school. Um, so I think those were like a pretty big influence. And then like moving on from there, I got into, you know, Game of Thrones and, um, I, you know, I have read the Harry Potter books and I was into that as like a teenager, um, yeah, and then and then like, you know, it was weird because I didn't really get into gaming until I was more in the college years. I mean, I did as a kid I played a lot of like Mario Kart and things like that, but I kind of left but I never got into RPGs and things like that until I was older and so then it became like World of Warcraft and all the Star Wars games and you know all that kind of good stuff, a lot of uh, all the BioWare games, those have been a big influence, so um yeah i don't know it's a it's a lot <laughs> i think it's like a whole a whole swath of geekdom i think kind of slots into my inspirations
2: yeah really well ranged there <laughs> and what are some of your current geeky pastimes
1: sure um well i still play wow quite a bit uh i'd say i've cooled down a little bit <laughs> i mean, you know the summer's been very intense on the on the wow train so um <laughs> i am kind of you know i'm like just kind of taking a break waiting for for the the next expansion um Let's see. I've been playing Ghost of Tsushima a lot, which has been really cool. Um, I'm actually a flute player, so I it got me to buy a shakuhachi, which is like the Japanese wooden nice. flute. Uh, they are totally different instruments, by the way. And the shakuhachi is way harder. <laughs> and I'm like, I can make like a sound on it. It's really, really, really wow. Really tough. But it's cool. I like the challenge of trying to like learn a new a new instrument like that. Um, so yeah, what else? I don't know. I mean. Uh, I'm been I'm like excited for the new Mandalorian season. That's gonna be that's gonna be great. Mm-hmm. I loved season one. Um, I've been playing a lot of like nostalgia games just because it's like such a rough time for everybody. So I've been making my way back through like every Dragon Age game, every Mass Effect game, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, so that's kind of where I'm at. And uh, I have some like IP work coming up that I can't talk about yet. So I'm like immersing myself mm-hmm. in those worlds as well so I could be ready. But yeah, nice. Ah.
2: That sounds amazing and like a lot of fun as well. It must be actually just being able like to basically your job is to learn a world so that you can write about it. I think that sounds awesome.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it is. And even when you're building your own, you know, you're doing a lot of research and you're kind of, um, you know, you're doing, I love to like just get historical books about the time period. And then also like, what was the actual, you know, what was the fiction these people were consuming? I like to think about that, like, what would my characters have actually read, you know, just for fun if they were readers. So um, yeah, it is either way, whether you're doing, you know, something for a brand or something for yourself, it is about like immersion. Um,
0: Mm -hmm. that is epic Uh and yes 2020 kind of let us all down on all fronts like on all the games fronts and all the movie fronts (laughs) like we're all like it's not coming this year all of you expect it is not gonna happen so you have to dump in this shithole that is 2020 (laughs) for
1: a while longer i know it's ready to see that the end of this one for sure oh Oh, yeah
2: (laughs) well it's going to be even longer for monica because uh it's still march for her
0: Oh yeah, in my brain I still march. I can't like I can't get over the fact that it's September and all of that, and what happened between start of lockdown and now. I can't. I have no idea. I know time
1: <laughs> is just no. You I, I can't keep track of it anymore. Like no passes in a day, and then some months go on for years. I don't yeah. understand it. Yeah, it is so true It's
0: <laughs> so painful. And uh, but I think if we're all in the same boat now. <laughs> but. Eventually, hopefully, we'll get out of there and then we will have the opportunity to meet again and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, but for now. In-person hugs once again. <laughs> right. One yeah. Day. Hopefully. So uh, what is the geeky thing that we're talking about today? So basically, I already gave it away a bit in the beginning and spoiled it a bit, but... <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, we can. I mean, we can talk about war. We can talk about anything. I've written for Star Wars. You know, I have my own franchises that I've that I've made and that kind of thing. So I'm open to anything. Whatever you guys want to talk about. Let's
0: looking at Amanda start
2: yeah. <laughs> with um, what it's like being a New York tel- New York Times bestselling fantasy author in a male dominated craft. Because I think like there's actually not there are loads of women, but I feel like fantasy is still a very male dominated environment.
1: Sure, um actually Asylum is horror, so that that's okay. like technically the horror, which is even more male dominated <laughs> to be to <laughs> be fair. Um, but it does depend, you know, I uh, I started in adult fiction um in horror and then kind of moved to young adult for a little while and 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 carved out a space there in horror fiction. And it really depends. It's it's so interesting because when you're writing for adult horror, it is a lot harder because you know, we have like what 30 40 years of this genre that has been defined by white men. I mean, let's mm-hmm, be honest, yeah. like, you know, the, the the what we know as the horror genre has not been created by by women. I mean, Mary Shelley did create it, but you'd, like, whatever. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, but in terms of, you know, modern media, movies, things like that, it's been very, you know, um, kind of a male headspace. And so it's really interesting when you're writing horror books um, as a woman and saying like, this is what horror is to me. This is what it means to me you bump up against a lot of people saying like, well, this isn't scary. You know, a lot of people don't even really get what you're doing. Um, so it's it's frustrating because you're like, well, you're so immersed in what you think is just like the boundaries of this genre. And it actually can take a lot of forms. Mm-hmm. And um, it's even worse if you're like a writer of color, specifically a mm-hmm. female writer of color, because like, they a lot of those books don't even get categorized as horror like it's it's really tough and yeah Yeah. there's a lot of that where it's just like well this like my experience as a white person doesn't see this as horror right whereas like it's it's rough (laughs) like you know like my some of my recent my most recent um sci-fi book was was horror and you know it's all about consent and sexual assault and something something that's very important to me and I, it, you would be shocked by how many times I talked about it with a man or had it reviewed by a man where they didn't even bring that up. And that's like the core, like the core concert of the book. So it's really interesting. Like you're, we're working in a genre where you're actually, you're trying to like redefine it as you exist inside of it. Um, YA is much more forgiving because they're much more, um, Mashups and sort of genre mm-hmm. blending is way more common. You're also writing for a predominantly female audience with other female writers. So it's a lot easier to be experimental. Or to just exist as a, a, you know, a woman or a a writer of color in that space. I mean, I can't speak to that experience, but I would hope that it's easier Um, because you're not you're not like kind (laughs) of you're not speaking to a a predominantly male audience. You're talking to like more of a female audience sometimes. And so I think that horror Uh, that's a little more uh, new and experimental and a little more like blended with other genres, I think it gets a better reception or at least like people are willing to, to give it a shot. So, um, you know, or like it's, I think panels are always a good way to judge it too. Like when I get put on a YA horror panel, it's mostly women with me when I'm on an adult fiction horror panel, I'm the one woman and writer under 45. So like, you know, it, it it really becomes obvious there, right? You feel like you're kind of the token, like, <laughs> well, it would look bad if we had five guys on this stage. So let's, like, who's available, right? Um, yeah. So, yeah, it, it could be tough. And it, it's not a huge factor, but it is one of the reasons why I'm kind of moving away from horror a little bit. And, you know, I'm moving into sci-fi, moving into fantasy, Um, I have a romance novel I'm finishing up. So I'm kind of (laughs) like diverting a little bit just because it's frustrating to have people tell you over and over and over again, your books aren't scary. And you're like, well, this is what's scary to me, right? Like, for me as a woman, as my experience, this is what's this is what I find scary. So to have people just tell you like, no, that's not scary. is like, like you
0: know, 50% of this entire planet at least all to find that exact right, thing super right.
1: scary. And I will say, you get women saying the same thing. I'm like, well, again, you've sort of been st- fed this steady diet of like what, you know, like the walking dead and like what what like men think is scary. So, you know, an adju- a little adjustment might might need to happen occasionally, but uh, yeah, it, it is interesting. <laughs> Guys, for the love of God. Uh, <laughs> Keep it together. Um, Yeah, so, you know, it is is tough. I will say fantasy and sci-fi also can be a little rough. But again, I think there's more strides being made there. I think you have some, like, incredible pioneering women who... Have done an, a lot of work to sort of, you know, make those spaces more more accepting of, of different viewpoints, you know, non-binary writers and female writers and, and writers of color. So I think those spaces are slowly starting to change. Where horror, I think, is kind of the last, like, really entrenched in in sort of this uh, this old sort of way of viewing things. So um, yeah, it can be it can be tough to to be there, but it's also nice because you you know you are offering something different you know, if there are people out there who want something that isn't just sort of like what we all think of as mainstream horror, like it's nice to be there and, and offer something different. So
2: that reminds me of something that, um, I think it was our, our guest from a couple sh- episodes ago, Michael Skarzynski. He's, uh, hosted a brand new podcast called All Hallows Scream. It's a horror podcast. And he brought up that, um, that I think it was Clive Barker, um, mm-hmm wrote obviously as a horror writer and it went after he came out as gay, he felt he could no longer write in the horror genre. Like he didn't feel connected to the experiences that he was writing about anymore. Mm-hmm. And it just, that this, everything that you're saying reminded me of of that, what Michael said about um, Clive Barker.
1: Yeah. It's a really, it's one of those genres that feels really like the rules are very strict, right? Of like, what's scary, who gets to be the hero, what it gets to be about, um and i'm actually a big clive barker fan because um now i'm gonna i think it's nightbreed that's wrong but he had a movie that basically was about like kind of like coming out or like a fear but entrenched in like coming out and like um more lgbtq plus experiences and the it got completely, like, mangled in post-production. And so there was this huge project to restore it to, like, what he actually wanted it to be. No. Um, and it took years because, like, they couldn't find the original audio. They couldn't find, like, a, a whole bunch of stuff. They had to, like, search, <laughs> like, these, all these um, warehouses all over the country to find the original stuff. And so they they remade it and released it as, like, kind of the director's cut and I actually got to be there when they premiered it and Clyde Barker like talked and everything. And yeah, that was a huge part of what he was saying was that like, this was sort of my baby. Like this was my real passion project was like to do horror, but in a space that was like about my experience and they destroyed it, you know? And so after that, he kind of disappeared, which understandably, you know, and you kind of experience that on a more, on a minor level, constantly (laughs) in these spaces, right? Where people are like, I don't get it. That's not scary. What is this? I don't, you know, I don't understand it. And it can be really frustrating because you're like, you're just, you just see horror as this one thing, right? This like 90s, like scream and saw. And, you know, like Mm -hmm. you have these like really um, difficult barriers in front of you. And uh, yeah, no, Clive Barker is a genius, but yeah, I mean, he was, you know, working basically in the closet for so long and then when he tried to do the opposite and come out and make a movie that was more true to who he was it was like you know they ruined it so
0: <laughs> that's isn't not- it kind of pathetic that the only imagine your the imagination of these as you said previously like 45 straight white men doesn't go as far as to even being understanding of of a different kind of fear because, yes, in the horror movies, they die in the end, but that's it. But living through something like a sexual assault and dealing with that through all your life, that's, like, actual real horror because when you're dead, you're dead. And when you live yeah. th- through something like this, that's, much, that's so much more terrifying because it follows you around, like, more than any Michael Myers can ever follow you around with.
1: Yeah, and and the, I think, actually, part of the resistance is because of that because it is something that's, like, people really experience this, right? Not many people live through getting murdered at summer camp, right? I mean, it's like, <laughs> it's not and it's not very common, you know, like, I personally don't know anyone who's been like serial killed, or, you know what I mean? Or like, yeah. or, or hurt in the way that a stereotypical horror movie kind of or book unfolds, right? And so for me, it's much scarier to talk about the stuff that people actually experience a mm. lot and um, being a sexual assault survivor, it's like something that was really important to me to, you know, have a he- have a heroine who's gone through it and is yeah. still complicated and flawed and gets a love story and gets to be, you know, and it's about it, but it's not trashy. It's not, it doesn't use it for shock factor. It's mm. not, you know, it's not about that. So mm. um, yeah, it's interesting. It, you're, you're kind of, I think, it, I think it makes people more uncomfortable <laughs> in a way because it's like, this is not safe horror. This isn't like abstract. Like this is stuff that really does happen. And so it was interesting to have it in a sci-fi setting and have an alien creature that I created that was also about examining consent. And everyone wanted to talk about the alien and no one wanted to talk about. Right. And you're like, I I get it. It's uncomfortable to talk about this. But like, you know, one out of four women is going to experience it. So like maybe we should actually be talking about this. I don't know. But yeah, it is interesting. It's it is a it is a curious um, genre to be to be working in as a as a woman. So,
2: what other um, themes would you write about in in any of and any of your books? Really, um, like you've mentioned, sexual assault and, and consent, which are things that women have to deal with every single day. Um, but what else do you bring into your writing?
1: Sure, um, it kind of depends. I think um, you know. I think in some Some of my older books, I wasn't as focused on, like, let's examine this thing specifically. I know with my zombie survival books, I was like, you know, I really want to make this about the humans. I never tell you, like, what started the zombie apocalypse. I never, you know, like, so much (laughs) of it happens off screen. Because to me, it's like, well, what's really interesting is how people would react and Um, how people would treat each other. And so to me, that was much more interesting. And then I found out like, oh no, people actually just want to read about zombies. So like, you know what I mean? It's like when when you're like, oh, I think actually what's great about zombie fiction is like the people and the characters, they're like, wait a minute, why don't we find out like, all these technical things about zombies that I'm just like, okay, you know what? Okay, new (laughs) genre, I guess I'm not good at that. Um, So, But with like, um, I I have another sci-fi book coming out next year, and that one's about um, like abusive relationships and gaslighting, which is also something I'm familiar with. So, um, you know, I try to take sort of a like a real world thing like that and examine it through a more um, exaggerated lens, a more, you know, like a, a more speculative fiction lens. So you can kind of, um, it's not just about being in an abusive relationship. You can also explore, like, well, what would it mean in in a future setting? What would it look like? You know, it, it was so interesting because I had someone tell me on my last sci fi book about sexual assault, like, "Oh, well, workplace sexual assault won't be a thing in the future, so this is unrealistic." And I was like, "Right, oh, I would <laughs> love to <it."> live <laughs> in your head. <laughs>
0: like, what a, have you lived in a, a somewhere ever? Have you worked in any place ever at all?" <laughs>
1: Yeah, that was that was pretty interesting to hear. I was like, that's a very optimistic view of things. I hope you're right. God, I hope you're right. But I Mm -hmm. don't think you're right. So yeah, yeah. I'm like, this is only 200 years in the future. It's not like, uh, I don't know, if you go back 200 years, it definitely still happened. So going forward 200 years, I would be shocked if it was completely eradicated. I hope so. But you know, Um, so yeah, so things like that, where it's you get to take something that's, um, familiar, but then kind of put it in a, in a more exaggerated or or different setting. So, Mm. um, yeah. So that one's about, you know, sort of going through a really traumatic experience and what if you could, what if there's a technology that could just take that away? Like, would you do it? Would you have someone erase like a trauma from your life if you could and what would that mean? And what does that look like? and, And that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> that's like that's wow. one example. Um, you know, I in the YA series I did House of Furies, I really wanted to take a heroine who was um underprivileged and kind of, you know, she was a criminal and <laughs> had all kinds of bad things going and then um, kind of give her a lot of power and, and see what would happen. And the ultimate message of that book kind of becomes, you know, if you come into privilege, it's your responsibility to, to give back and to mm. to do something with that privilege, not just to sit on it. So mm. um, yeah, so that, that was that theme. Um, I'm not sure if there's like a strong social theme in, in Shadows Rising. <laughs> I think it's, That was my harder. next question. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> harder when you're sort of, when you're sort of, the plot's kind of dictated to you, right? It, it's a lot harder to sort of build in those those blocks that are, that you're, you're working with. Um, people have, it's interesting because every podcast I go on, someone tells me what they think the theme is and I'm like, no, one's been wrong. <laughs> like, you know, I think, you know, art is so open to interpretation. So none of them are wrong. Um, let's see. I mean, I, for me, a lot of it is about, um, perception because there's a lot of characters who you see, you see a problem from so many different, um, Points of view that it you know it's really about perspective and and how one person one misunderstanding can cause these like giant ripples and these giant um, tragedies. So that's kind of where I would put it. <laughs> I would put it in the in that category. But I've had people say all, all kinds of things. So um, that's more interesting to me, honestly, to hear what like what other people <laughs> interpret <laughs> interpret from it. But
0: yeah, I think from everything you're saying, it's so interesting to because people might go ahead and go around and think like well all these i don't know games pop culture kind of situations things they are not of so much like not they they don't participate in anything that's of value not my opinion at all and no, i think sorry. from what you said you can totally see again that how educating this all is, how with all these stories that we experience and and read, even though they're not real. And even though they're packed in like the fantasy sector or the sci-fi sector or the horror sector or anything like that, it's always a place where you can learn about anything and everything. And it just teaches you at the same time by being, by reading through a character story and by, by going with them on that ride basically. And you just, the, emotional immersion basically in the in the hero the hearing of the story is just that moves you way more than any actual factual book ever can and as you mentioned before it's like you can see stories from both from a lot of different sides and not just from one and all that through storytelling and that's why i'm just like so important that we have all of that and then we can experience all of that because it will help us on the long run to become better human beings and to come to become a better kind of society in a way
1: oh yeah no i think like you know of of the unifying factors of like a a compassionate, well-rounded, empathetic person. I think reading a lot is is a huge part of it because it does introduce you to points of view that you don't know and you don't understand. And that's why I tell people, especially if they're getting into writing, like, don't just read your genre, right? If you want to be a fantasy writer, don't just read fantasy. And it's and it but also like make sure you read all different kinds of authors in fantasy. Don't just do whatever looks like you right don't just do whatever feels comfortable like you have to get out of that you have to read books that on the surface you're like i don't know if i'm going to like this and then you try and you're like whoa this you know like this is this blew my mind you know um uh, and so i'm always telling people that cuz i think there's a trap that we get into where it's like oh i'm a one genre reader and i think that really cuts you off from such a huge range of experiences and and a lot of great art and and yeah i mean i don't i can't think of a single writer who even when you're doing something like IP work, you know, and you're doing something for a brand, like you're still coming to it with, uh, an idea, you know, you're still coming to it with like, I'd like to communicate something. I'd like to like, there's always messaging behind it. Right. And that's why I'm always like people who are like, well, I don't want politics in my art. It's like, good luck. Like it's, you can't do that. <laughs> that's not possible because the creator has a lens, like whatever you're writing you are writing it through a specific lens. So you're always going to get that person's beliefs. Even if it's like, I hate this, right? And they're examining something they don't like, you're still getting their lens. Um, Mm. I mean, even in the, I did like the third in a series for World of Warcraft. It was like a middle grade book called The Traveler Series. And they are great books, but I picked up the final book from a different author. And, you know, even that book where I wasn't the original creator of the whole series I went to it being like, well, what if I can tell kids in this fantasy adventure story, like sometimes it's okay to be soft, right? And to be like gentle with people, like like strength isn't always about... Being a hard ass and and being commanding and being a, a dick, right? Like you can you can just be you can be compassionate. Like there's there's a lot of strength in compassion or in failure or in things like that. So um, you know, like that's the message of of the third book in a middle grade series that no one read. You know, so you're like you know you're always coming with like something. You're always trying to tell people something. Um, whether or not they get it is a, a separate a separate conversation. But um, yeah no it's you can't escape that there's like there's no there's no piece of art there's no book there's no movie that isn't like coming with an implicit message
0: and sometimes even though people don't notice it while they're at it it can like stuff sometimes just lingers with you and even even though you don't get it in the moment then maybe years along the line you're like oh that's what it's all about or it helps you with a decision later on when just because you had that experience of reading different kinds of viewpoints or different kinds of things and that's just what i also think is so important that what i also often say to teachers is like even though you think that you're just your students don't give a crap about what you're saying a few of them will remember you eventually yep. along the line and that's the same with books and the same with everything you consume i think at some point you will be you might be able to get back to it and be like ah i get it now or ah that was like this there as well and 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 then they can relate more and that's just not all hope is always lost no
1: (laughs) (laughs) no no no. and i find myself going back to books you know 10 years later and seeing like i wonder if i get the same thing out of this i wonder if my perspective or my you know if i've changed enough that maybe this book is going to tell me something different so Mm -hmm. i always find that that interesting too I
0: mean, I think with the current J.K. situation, that's all something we then went yeah. back to and are like, well, we yeah. didn't think that was going to happen, that we stand into these books like this now. But yeah, yet, it here is we tough are.
1: Because, you know, with a lot of those, like a lot of the big ones, you know, like we all, we've always kind of known Lovecraft as a piece of shit, right? So like you're <laughs> going to it, like knowing that, right? So you're mm-hmm. going and reading it, like this guy has some really bad ideas, right? So like, but it's uh, it is very interesting to culturally have this kind of beloved work and then after the fact find out all that stuff you know what i mean like that's yeah. really unusual because usually yeah. it's kind of these like older books that we all we've had a lot of time to sort of like find out about the writer and mm. um yeah so that it is interesting as a culture to sort of like everyone's in mourning for this yeah. for this thing <laughs> yeah. that they kind of like have to re-examine and you know i know for me like i threw out all my harry potter shirts i got rid of all my stuff you know like i'm donating my books it's just like yeah. you know it it sucks it sucks to to go through it but it it is interesting i haven't usually it's obvious you know <laughs> like usually someone's yeah. politics are much more obvious and usually uh it's more of a we already know because this person died you know 30 yeah. years ago or whatever so
2: yeah there's definitely something to be said about experiencing an author's downfall live and it it's <laughs> yeah. livening
1: color. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting because like uh she also she kicked off and other authors do this too but I think she's the most notorious where um I mean I want to stay on her for too long but she kicked off this thing of like oh, I decide things about my books after the fact, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, now I get kids, teenagers who read my books and are, like, come ask me questions in that vein of, like, oh, well, I know this doesn't happen in the book, but, like, what would do? What would happen if X, Y, Z Or like, oh, did you mean for this to be this? And I'm, like, I will never tell you any of that because if mm-hmm. it's not in the book, it's for you to decide, like, mm-hmm that's what fan fiction's for that's what whatever you want to go you know on a message board and discuss it like if i didn't put it in the book i will not after the fact declare it because that to me is bs like yeah. if it wasn't important enough or if you forgot or if it's a plot hole or if you messed it up like you just have to be accountable for that you just have mm. to admit it and be like you know what i didn't think about that sorry like it happens like things slip the net right there's no perfect world building so um yeah to me i just i hate that i hate that that's a thing now like you get that stuff all the time and you're like no that character isn't that sexuality or whatever like Mm. if you want that to be your headcanon that's fine like Mm. i go forth permission granted but like if i didn't say it explicitly i don't want to now take credit for it after Yeah, yeah i think that's that's stupid it's bs it's like no, you wrote it, and like that's it. Like the art, it has to stand on its own. Then you don't mm. get to after the fact try to make it better or or worse or whatever. Like it's I use it, just it as is fate, what it is basically
0: because that's generally what. happened in a lot of cases like i think it's
1: i think it's rewriting history it's all these things where you're like oh i wish i had done this right i wish Mm -hmm. i had been with it enough to make this character like visibly gay or you know like Mm -hmm. like make their experience more explicit in the book but like to Mm -hmm. me that's trash you don't get to do that after Mm -hmm. the fact like Mm -hmm. it goes in the book or it doesn't right yeah and if you want to rewrite the book and re-release it fine Mm -hmm. like go ahead. That would be great. But like you just, I yeah, I don't like that. I think it's, and it's annoying because now it's set off this precedent of like everyone, you know. It's interesting there's a lot of those things in the industry where one big author does something and now the rest of us have to like deal with it. It just, it sucks.
0: So interesting to see that from your point of view that you have to struggle through stuff like because something changed in a way as well for you that you as an author also need to be like, I don't know, not accountable for it, but...
1: When you always has- feel bad because you're like, I'm not trying to shut you down. I just, I just don't agree with this. I don't yeah. agree with with what you're asking. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I, just, I, I want you to use your imagination because that's what it's there. Like, I wouldn't be a writer if I could just go on Twitter and ask, you know, Anne Rice, like, wait, did you really mean this? Like, I that's yeah. I that's what I did. I went and went in my dumb little bedroom and wrote nine thousand pages about it. Right. So, like, I, I think it shuts down that that imaginary. Yeah. Like, aspect and i think that's bad i think having that immediate access to ask authors oh what did you mean what is this character what would this character do like no go you go you go do that because that's gonna like make you a better writer it's gonna make you a better thinker you know so it's kind of
0: killing killing the killing the creativity before it can even come yeah. to life in a way because yeah. then you don't have to think about all of the other stories that you can make up in your own head and maybe make some amazing art out of that yeah
1: that's yeah not and I love necessarily like a, that but I love like a slightly ambiguous ending a lot of my endings are kind of ambiguous and so I get a lot of people being like well wait but is it this and you're like no <laughs> it it's be. whatever it, it could be if that's your interpretation then yes that is what it is mm-hmm. you know like I don't like to give a final answer because I am always like, there is enough evidence in this book to come to the conclusion I want you to. After that, it's like your—it's up to you. I—if mm-hmm. I didn't state it, then all bets are off, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's interesting. There's a lot of those. A lot of those weird things where like one big, huge author has a habit, and then like the rest of us <laughs> have to deal with the fallout. Um, yeah, it's weird. Do you ever read fan
2: fiction that's been written like in the worlds that you've created?
1: no I only did once because um it pinged like so I get a lot of Google alerts for for stuff like that and um the only time I, I did go is because it was obvious the person had basically copy pasted an entire book of mine uploaded it to like Wattpad or something and then gone through and and changed and added her own characters to it and it included explicit underage like, non-consensual so that i reported <laughs> because i was like uh this is too this is sketchy because it, people could think it's me right because yeah. it's, it's just literally and and it's too much like you can't just for copyright reasons you can't you can't do that kind of thing yeah so, um, if she had just like from scratch summarized things and none of it was copy pasted i probably i couldn't do anything about it right um that's up to that website to like police yeah. that stuff but because they had used so much of the actual text, I did re- I did report that. But, like, no, I uh, for legal reasons, I don't read fan fiction of my own mm-hmm. stuff. Um, you're really not encouraged to do that because uh, because people would just be like, oh, like, if you do, right, if you do read it and then some, you you write something similar, people will, like, accuse you yeah. of stuff. So, uh, yeah, no, I don't. And also, too, I, I feel really strongly about letting people have their, like, safe spaces to talk about my work i like you know i know people are talking about shadows rising on reddit and tumblr and all that stuff and like i just try to stay out of it because yeah i don't want to go policing or or be like well no what i really meant because you know it's it just first of all it's just going to hurt your feelings (laughs) like it's it's (laughs) never going to work out good for me right and so um yeah it's just better to just stay out of that stuff right and just let people have their fun or or just you know like slice it to pieces or or praise it or whatever but I'd rather they just have that that space to do that um, Mm. and not worry about me. Like, (laughs) (laughs) what if she sees that? You know, like, um, no, I try to stay out of it. Obviously, like, they tag me in something, I I usually show up, and I'm like, oh, come on, like, that's mean. Don't tag me in this, you know. But like, uh, but otherwise, yeah, I try to just try to just let people have their have their spaces to talk about stuff. So.
0: And sometimes, I guess, for mental health reasons as well, you don't want to go down the black hole yeah, of horror yeah, on Twitter I, or Reddit occasionally
1: because yeah, I try to stay fun. away. I try to stay away from that. It can really ruin your day, you know. Like you're trying to write, and then to just like stumble upon someone being like, "You suck." It's like, well, yeah. no, I don't want to work. Um, yeah. So yeah, I try to I try to avoid that stuff. It's interesting too because I write a lot of fan fiction still too, and I'm like, I wouldn't want the creator to see. Like, I don't think I'd want the person who did this to see it. You know what I mean? Like i think that would be weird so i don't want to do that to someone else
0: right that i think it'd be awkward
1: i don't i don't want you know i don't want i'm not gonna say what fandoms i write in but like you know i would want those people to find out that would be very awkward so
0: i would be so curious i think i, would I would want to know but so that's just me i kind of have, need to know everything
1: yeah that's a lot it's it true it's there's a there's a separate issue of like a lot of the people writing I know they're probably underage, right? I know they're probably 16, 17 because I write a lot of young adult. And that mm-hmm. to me there's like an extra factor of like Yeah. I don't want to go over here. I don't want to. Yeah, I do I don't I wanna, gonna, like, get that. You know, Cuz a lot of times you're going through stuff, you're you're exploring things, right? I just think it's like a privacy thing. Like I I just, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I'm not sure that if does. I want to read
1: it's, it's just fla- it's flattering to know mean, it's out uh, there, right? Like every time it yeah. pops up, you're like, oh, cool, like cool, yeah. cool beat, right? Like go you, <laughs> get af- get after it. But like, yeah, that's it. That's that's where I stop, you know. Or you get a lot of people who reach out to you and like, oh, will you read my whatever about whatever? And I'm like, I can't do that for legal reasons. Yeah. So.
2: But send me your uh, Stephanie Meyer fanfic. I'll read that.
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually, never. I've never. I think I've read the first two chapters of twilight i think that's it i i worked at a bookstore when it came out so it was pretty inescapable at the time mm-hmm. but uh i don't like to shit on it anymore because girl like th- those books pay your paycheck right like right. Those, those massive mega juggernaut phenomenon books. that was though yeah kinda. very interesting yeah like, i read the first two chapters like this isn't for me it's for someone else so exactly <laughs> Um, so what do your days look like?
2: Um is is writing and that's your that's your full time ev- like pays all the bills kind of professional gig, right?
1: Yeah. Um actually January it'll be 10 years of doing this. Wow. Um, okay, yeah. Time it does a fly. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. For a little I when I got my first book published, I I kept my job for a little while. Um but once I was like, ran the numbers and thought I could make it work, um, I probably did it a little early. Honestly, <laughs> I, I tell if I'm trying to advise new writers, I'm like, keep your job till book like three, <laughs> right? Like, okay, may, or, or it helps like, you know, I'm single, I am a single income family, right? So like, that is a lot of pressure, because you're mm-hmm. like, there's no safety net here, right? But if you like, if you have a partner, and you know, you you come to a conclusion like hey we can make this work then i i do recommend people try to go full-time if they can um but you know that's totally personal decision and some people like i have i have a few friends who like like keeping their job they're like Mm -hmm. i prefer to do it this way so um because i think it separates like it it still feels like a like a hobby or like you know it feels like it's sort of like your your time off because that's how what used to be for me used to be my escape right um so when something becomes your job, I think a little bit of the the shine wears off.
0: Um, yeah. Where can I but, sign that statement? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, suddenly, you're like, "Oh, this is okay." Yeah, I really got to get on that. Um, but yeah, it's my only it's it's my sole income. So that's you know that's why I, try, I have usually at least two books a year coming out, if not more. Um, it is a hustle, and my days usually. Um, it took me a while to kind of find my my best practices. Right. And I'm still, it's ever evolving. Right. I think that that changes constantly. Um, but for me, I like to sort of get all my adult stuff done in the early part of the day, um, dishes, laundry, bills, walk the dog, that kind of thing. Um, and then usually around, two or three, I'll write a little bit, like an hour or two. Um, Then I'll go to the gym, I'll come home, I'll eat dinner, and then I'll work again. So I'll usually do like a little chunk in the afternoon to kind of like get started. um, And then I'll finish it out at night. So that can be anywhere from like seven or eight o'clock to whenever I stop which could be midnight, could be 2 a.m. <laughs> you know, it mm-hmm. depends how well it goes or, or what I'm, sometimes I will have really specific goals. Like I just need to get a chapter done today. Right. Or I need to get this many words done today. I tend to work in those kind of blocks. So, um, yeah. So I try to like set a goal for the day, set an intention, you know, I just have to get this much editing done or I just have to get this much chapter done. And then if I do more great if, but otherwise I try to like hold myself to it. So, um, you know and I, I i tend to be fast and and produce pretty a lot so i'll do like you know 2000 words a day is pretty standard sometimes 5 is is more the thing i'll do 10 some days you know it's it just depends so um but yeah so that's that's kinda it. And I don't uh, you know, I like I sometimes I'll take weekends off just to like be on everybody else's schedule for like not anymore, but for social stuff, you know, I used to try to keep a similar schedule to my friends so that I could like, you know, hang out <laughs> yeah. on the weekends, feel free. Um, but that's that's kind of that's kinda done. Um yeah. So it's interesting. I mean, my life didn't change a ton from from Quarantine and COVID, um, I will say I do miss those times though to like go out and and to, like sit at a bar with a friend and talk over a story idea for you know four hours or whatever. So uh, yeah, but otherwise it hasn't really changed. It's you know boring adult stuff in the morning afternoon and then kind of transition into a more working mindset in the evening. Yeah, so you and adult. I relate a
2: lot to uh, yeah. life not changing with COVID. <laughs>
1: Like, yeah. yeah, it's interesting. Like watching other people adjust to it, be like, Yeah, it's my life all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I had that
0: adjustment when I started to work for, my, for myself, right? So I had that mental breakdown of not seeing people and shit like that when you start to do it. And at first you think, yeah. This is amazing. And then you figure out after a few months, This is not at all that amazing. And it's super yeah. hard work to keep all like a life up in a way <laughs> and yeah. to sometimes get dressed in the morning <laughs> and not yeah. be in the pajama all day. So it's yeah, just- I actually
1: yeah, I like get in, you know, I get dressed. I i will put on a little makeup. I'll try to like kind of get into the like, all right, we're starting, right? Like yeah. we, gotta, we gotta get this going. Yeah. Um and you know, and I have my days where I'm like, nope, just gonna play video games all day. You know, like <laughs> it is nice. You you know, like there's no one like on top, you know, you don't have like a boss at your over your mm. desk or whatever. But um yeah, no, it is it is tough and it's it's not a job for everybody. Yeah it, lot you have to be self-motivated and and that can be tough for for Mm. people so um
2: so just as our last question and if there's anything else that you want to bring up as well um what advice would you give to anybody looking to start out um writing professionally
1: um I think you have to be pretty self-aware to to do this job I think you have to be able to um Look at your skill set and your your time and your your ambitions and your your goals and and be really honest about it because I think some people want to write a book but they might not want to be like do this as a job like and, and I often recommend to people that like don't go into this being like I'm gonna be a writer full time that's gonna be my job because you might not like it <laughs> you know it's not. It's not a job for everybody. It's um, There's a lot of pressure. You have to, you know, stick to things. You have to put out a lot of work, um, you know, and if it took you seven years to write your first book, you're going to get like nine months for the next one. <laughs> so, you know, so you really have to like evaluate, right, if you're actually cut out for it. Um, and I would also say, you know, again, read really widely. Don't just read, you know, if you want to get into romance novels, that's great, but make sure you're reading everything same with um you know if you're going to be a horror writer if you're going to be um a sci-fi writer i i'm always on top of people to be like go read romance novels like do it because you will learn so much (laughs) you will you will learn so much about pacing about dialogue about um tension like those books man especially if you find a good if you find a good romance author like you will learn something to bring into your genre and for me someone who loves to work in a lot of genres it's like that's a great thing because you get to sort of take all these different skills and all these different little things you learn from different genres and and put them into one into one package um and it makes you versatile so that if you do get asked to do something like Warcraft, you know, <laughs> and to, uh, to to until they asked me to do that traveler book, I had never written a fantasy book. So <laughs> it have to be if you make yourself if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. You know, if you if you're versatile, you can you can do that. Then if Star Wars asks you to do something, you're like, yep, ready, let's go, right? Mm-hmm. And so that makes you more more marketable. That makes you you can work in more genres. Um, I, I'm not using a pen name, but you could, right. You could have a brand for every different thing you want to do. That's really common. Um, I tell people all the time, like if you see someone on the subway or a bus or not anymore, right. But when, when we did those <laughs> things, um, if you saw them reading like something by a initial, initial snappy last name, I'm like, guarantee, <laughs> you, that's, guarantee you, that's a woman guarantee you. She's a romance writer, like a hundred percent of the time almost across the board same with mystery mystery and thrillers all those all those like very gender neutral names those are women those are women and they probably started in romance novels so they can't have their name on something that that a guy would read um so it's stuff like there's a lot of stuff like that where you're like there's a lot of ways to be mobile in this industry there's you know you don't have to be locked into one genre if you don't want to be you can do things like that you can create different brands, you can create different pen names for that. Um, So yeah, I don't know, I'd like a a having a more kind of holistic approach, I think is smart, rather than like, I'm gonna write fantasy, it's all I'm gonna do, I'm gonna, you know, only read fantasy, I'm gonna live, live, breathe, think (laughs) fantasy for the rest of my life. Like, obviously, it's great to have to be known for something, right? And to build a brand, that's always great. Building a brand is fabulous. But Remember that you can learn stuff from from all different kinds of writers, writers that don't look like you, <laughs> that don't think like you. Right. You know, like you have to get out of that. You have to get out of that sort of homogenous mode, um, I think, to be to be a good writer. And um, yeah, and I would I would pick up um, Story Genius by oh God. What's her name? shit i have the book somewhere
0: <laughs> but uh
1: it's lisa cron i think lisa crone um yeah that's a great one story genius uh i've it's helped a lot of um novice writers that, that i've talked to so i always recommend that one um jeff vandermeer has a great craft book um i think it's called wonder book or something like that um Jeff Vandermeer, he wrote the, like, area, the, the Annihilation series, but um, his craft book is great. Chuck Wendig's craft book is great. Everybody recommends On Writing by Stephen King. It's great, but I think most people <laughs> have already gotten it, so try to recommend some other ones. But, um, yeah, that's that's where I would look. And Bird by Bird is great, too. That's a famous one. Um, so, yeah, do those, too, right? Like, get, get into those craft books because it is a very technical thing. It's not a mystical thing it's not mm-hmm. i'm not a i'm not a you know like a witch brewing up a potion <laughs> not, you're not uh, <laughs> no What a book feels organic but trust me they're not no book comes together organically it's very mechanical it's very technical and when you can start thinking more in those modes of like okay what do i need this character to do like what's their function right like how do i how do i create all the little cogs that are going to make this mechanism work like that's i think when when you get to be um in a better space with writing, because when it feels out of your hands, when it feels mystical and magical and unknowable, I think that's when it gets away from you, and I think that's when you get stuck, because <laughs> because it feels like something you have no control over. when you absolutely do, it's uh it's much, it's very technical. So it's
0: so interesting that you that that's the case. I, I don't know. I mean, I I can't write, so I like I don't write, so I have no no. <laughs> but it's what? interesting that you say that it's so mechanical in a way it makes it so much more interesting for me to pursue because I'm so logical in my
1: head. Well, I like a soft beef with people who try to make it seem really magical and mystical because I think that's actually kind of gatekeepery, right? I think that's making it sound like you're either born to do this or you're not and it's like BS. It's not a normal thing. You have to teach yourself how to mm. do this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, it's a learned skill and you can learn to do it anyone can learn to write a book you know what i mean like it's much more technical it's much more built right like you build a book you don't it doesn't just you don't birth it it doesn't Mm -hmm. just come out fully formed right (laughs) Uh, but i hear people say shit like that where they're like oh it's my child that i birthed it you're like it's okay if it's important to you and you care about it but when you when you couch it in those terms i feel like you're you're kind of lying I mean <laughs> not lying but you're, you're polishing it up in a way that I think makes it inaccessible and makes it sound like you've done something no one else possibly could mm-hmm. and facts are against you because a lot of people write books <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, you know it is totally possible it is a totally doable thing and I think when you remove that sense of magical mystical whatever whatever I think it it makes it more approachable for people you know
2: yeah, I can definitely see that actually because I've read um, a couple books on how to write fiction. And since reading those books, I actually pick up when I'm reading a fiction book, like the yeah. kind of that, that mechanical, like, oh, this is this part and this is how they like do this. Setup.
1: Yep, you, you yep. went like the rule of three, you'll, see, you'll start to see all that stuff. You'll start to see how the acts are structured. You'll start to learn. Like my big trick that I teach anyone I tr- sort of mentor is like, finish every chapter with a cliffhanger. Even if it's a minor, minor, minor cliffhanger, that's the trick to get that like I can't put it down feeling is like mm-hmm. always end every chapter on a little bit of a cliffhanger like something oh like are they gonna what are they how what are they gonna react to that like how are they gonna react to that or oh no you know like that kind of thing because that makes you like oh crap okay one more you know like one more <laughs> just one so more just gone. one <laughs> right, right right and it's so simple it's so obvious but like I didn't know that when I started right my first few books don't use that but like now I I always do right you always want to end on something a little snappy a little juicy not just like and then they went to bed like that that when I see that I'm like rookie move rookie mistake (laughs) don't start a book waking up don't end a chapter going to sleep like you see people obviously you see it and you do see it in commercial fiction it does happen but every time I see it I'm like no because now I want to go to sleep right I'm like okay good 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 place to stop like (laughs) right like <laughs> put true. it on the nightstand time to time to stop but uh yeah so there's a lot of stuff like so that there's a lot of tricks and, and and little moves like that you can make so
0: we have two more questions from chat that I just want to add because um be it to ask before um that you launch on every on average about three or four books per year um how <laughs> <laughs>
1: four would be a lot. I think three is my record. Two is more standard. Like I have two coming out next year. Um, And then I'll do like short stories sort of like I'll get asked to do an anthology or whatever. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I I mean, I uh, I'm going to be putting out either a blog post or a a tweet storm soon kind of about that about the pace I try to set for books. But um, yeah, I'm I'm a believer in working fast and getting kind of getting an idea start to finish completed in about two to three months that that's usually Mm. how i how fast i want to write a book sometimes it's even faster if if it's going well i can write a book in like a few weeks um but that's again math Mm. (laughs) you're setting you're setting a schedule where you're like i will hit this many words every day i will if i don't i'll be off schedule and then it's going to take longer Mm. and for me someone who is a gemini and a magpie i will get bored with the idea (laughs) in six months so I have to work fast. I have to fall in love with the idea and then produce it. Otherwise I'll just get distracted by other shinier ideas. Right. (laughs) So yeah, you have to like play to your strengths and weaknesses. If you're, if you're a methodical slow writer and you can write a book over two years and it, you finish it and it's good, more power to you. Absolutely do it. I can't work that way though. So I have to play to my strengths, which is I'm fast and I can produce a lot. And so I just lean into that and I try to do finish a project quickly. So I'm on to the next thing and I never mm-hmm. get stuck something and get too like bored with it. Um, so yeah, set a schedule, but I'm going to hopefully put out something about the way I, I structure that and the way that I do that. So if you want to produce two books a year, you have to be good about out- outlining. <laughs> you have to, you have to really like have, have a roadmap of where you're going to go. Right. You have to really know what's coming um, and then you have to set a schedule and you have to do the math of like, OK, I think this book is about 80,000 words, you know, depending on the genre, mm. that you can kind of judge that. Um, and then you're like, OK, divide that up into weeks and then divide that up into days and then divide that up into word count per day. Mm. And if you to it, you will have a book. So <laughs> that
0: is great. <laughs> And the other question was, um, before COVID now, obviously, if you were more of a home writer, if you went to other places like coffee shops, libraries, or that kind of thing instead?
1: Yeah, I'm kind of, I was 50-50. I have a coffee shop down the block that I I used to go to off and on um, if I just wasn't feeling it. But yeah, usually I'll just take my laptop and, and sit on the couch. That's kind of, I do recommend that you have kind of muscle memory stuff with this, where like you pick a place or um, you know, have a, a specific computer, have a specific, you know, like time of day, like make it sort of a ritual. And I think it, it clues in your brain more that like, okay, it's time to work, especially cause now we're all just stuck at home. It can be hard to differentiate your spaces and to feel like, okay, this is my workspace. This is my work time, right? Like I just work in my apartment and it's the whole thing is, is, is for working, I guess. Mm. But like, I try not to work in my bedroom, I try to not work at like this desk that I'm at now. I'll take my laptop and go on the couch. I have my specific corner. I make a cup of tea. I light a candle. I put on music. It's like, go, right? Like, mm-hmm. so you have these sort of steps to to get ready and to clue your brain in. Um, yeah, I also always usually walk the dogs before I start because then I can like, okay, while I'm walking them, what do I have to, what, what am I writing mm-hmm. today? So you're not going to the page with like a question mark, right? You're going yeah. with like, intention you're going with with an idea of like what you need to accomplish um and it makes it a lot less intimidating that way yeah i think
0: Mm -hmm. i like that that advice (laughs) of of preparing your brain to to actually do the job and then have this specific area of actually doing it i
1: mean Mm -hmm. you prep for other jobs right i mean if you're going to go and like do a meeting or do a presentation you're going to prepare right you're going to set yourself up to like be ready and be be snappy with it so I always recommend that so you don't feel like you're just sitting in front of a blank page with, like, no idea of what's coming. Um, Yeah, it just makes it, for me, it makes it a lot easier, so. Mm -hmm.
2: yeah, Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Madeline, tell our listeners where they can find you online and your books and just give us all the information
1: sure um so you can find me on twitter instagram um, i have a facebook fan page it's uh at author rue for twitter and instagram or if you just search my name it should pop up um my facebook fan page same thing search madeline rue it should be there um i also have a publicly listed email at those places and that's for anything if you have comments questions concerns feel free to use it. It's not just for like business inquiries. You know, <laughs> if you have a writing question, always happy to help. Um, yeah. Come, come say hi. Um, if you have questions on like, I have like 13 books out. So if you need some guidance on <laughs> where to start, <laughs> if you would like, to start, uh, I can help you out. So um, yeah, I hope, I hope you take a look at some of my stuff. If you're a Warcraft fan, check out shadows rising. Um, it's great. It'll get you hyped for the expansion coming. So
0: can't wait. Thank you so much. Thank you guys. Thank you so much. And we will see each other again on an, another amazing, awesome episode next week. Bye.
2: Bye. Yeah. If you like this episode of Geek Caring, why not leave us an iTunes review? You can also find us on social at Geek and over on com.
1: This show is brought to you by. Dragon Powered Studio Find more at dragonpoweredstudio.com